Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, gentlemen, welcome back. I am Charles Jungemach. You're listening to my podcast, and I can't thank you enough for it. I love having you here. I love being able to talk to you. I love that you give me the opportunity to speak into your life. I hope you keep doing it. I hope you share this with your friends. Man, I was talking to a young lady the other day who was wearing a t-shirt, and on that t-shirt, it simply said, you are enough, and it struck me the wrong way, and I wasn't sure why it struck me the wrong way at first, and in conversation, she said the words, it's just a t-shirt, it's just a good message, I don't really buy into everything it says, which obviously rings a few bells in my head saying, something's not right here. But the more I thought about it, the more I understood, first of all, why it's such a popular movement and why the t-shirts are so popular. I mean, I'll admit that even myself this morning um, just had a huge case of what I call poser syndrome and uh, like just didn't want to be in the meeting I was in or be doing what I needed to be doing because I just felt like I wasn't worthy, like I wasn't worth it, like I had disqualified myself from the place that the Lord had prepared for me. So I get why. So many people think it's important to remind each other that they are enough, that you are enough, but but it just didn't sit right with me, and I was trying to figure out why. So I typed it into Google, and this is what I found. On the official You Are Enough website, I found the definition. What does it mean when somebody says, you are enough? And this is the world's definition. One, there is no perfection. Anyone who believes there is or insists that you should attain that status is not worth your time. You are enough. Number two, there is no goal that you could ever achieve that will convince you that you are enough. If you don't already believe it before you get there, you still won't believe it once you do. Three, you are an incredible person. I don't even know you, but I can tell you without a doubt that there is something in you that sets you apart from everyone else. You need to find out that thing, and you need to embrace it, nurture it. Number four, I know that other people's opinions, external comparisons, and your own negative self-talk may have brought you to a place where you question your self-worth. Some days are worse than others, but realize that on every day you are enough. And finally, number five, As long as you know you are enough, no one can ever tell you you're not. Now, I am by no means condemning the entire movement or saying they don't make good points and that it's all false. I'm not telling you you should throw away your t-shirt. In fact, if you own it, keep wearing it. At least there's a message of hope going out into the world. However, this is a dangerous ideology to buy into. And here's why. My issues with this movement come... Most delight in numbers three and four, like I just read, which say as follows. I know that other people's opinions, external comparisons, and your own negative self-talk 
may have brought you to a place where you question your own self-worth. we got to take a look at our nature if we're really going to understand what's going on here. Romans 3, verses 10 to 12 say, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So contrary to what she's telling you on the internet, we are completely worthless. And how do we become worthless? It's a simple one-word answer. Sin. Sin entered the world with Adam and Eve. Romans 15 verse 13 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death became to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin was not taken into account when there was no law. So this is where the you are enough journey goes from right and straight and true and takes a turn into dark and dangerous waters. At this point, actually, it's number one where the author makes the statement, there is no perfection. That's our issue here. The rest of her argument rests on the assumption that there is no perfection. And this is where the fallacy starts. Because there is perfection. In fact, the standard is perfection. God created this world with perfection. It was good. It was up to God's standard. It was flawless and beautiful and untarnished. In a word, it was perfect. But then Adam and Eve sinned. And they had kids, and they were just as sinful as Adam and Eve were. And then they had kids, and they were sinful too. And then they had kids, and they had kids, and all the way along, the children were sinful, and the world became more and more sinful as a result. So suddenly, the world is not perfect anymore, but perfection is still the standard. It's still what God expects of Adam and Eve and of Adam and Eve's children. So if I make the statement that there is no perfection, what I'm doing is I'm releasing myself from the reality of failure, because if there's no perfection, there's no failure. I end up dismissing my identity as a condemned sinner. And therefore, I don't have to meet God's expectations. And therefore, I don't live up to the law. And this might make me feel good for a few minutes, but just because I deny the standard doesn't mean that it's not there. As Paul said, even before the law was given, sin was already in the world. So I can't just deny the law and expect everything to be okay. Romans 7 verse 7 continues for us. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what coveting really is if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. It all started with that one command. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they ate from the tree, and because of it, they became wicked. And they lived in their undefined wickedness and sin, and the world grew more and more evil. And eventually, you know the stories, Cain killed Abel, sin continued to increase, got worse and worse and worse. And eventually, it gets so bad that only one righteous man remained, and you know him, his name is Noah. God decided that he'd had enough, so he sent the flood and killed everybody and everything that was on the earth. He started brand new, fresh, with just the people on the ark. Essentially, it's Noah and his family and a handful of animals. And what do they do? They immediately get off the ark and they build the Tower of Babel, still not meeting God's expectation, still not following God's commands. So this time, God puts limits in place. 
He scatters the population all over the earth, picks one family to be his people, and he gives them commandments and tells them to live by them so that they would see their sin and understand their need for perfection and their need for a savior. So it's the law that determines whether I am enough or not. And because of my nature as a sinful man, I am not enough. This reality that I'm not enough creates the discrepancy between what I hear on the internet and what I know to be true. She states in point number four, the following. I know that other people's opinions, external comparisons, and your own negative self-talk have brought you to a place where you question your self-worth. Now, I wholeheartedly agree that other people's opinions, external comparisons, and your own negative self-talk can be extremely negative. And sometimes they're just downright evil. And as such, it should be something you closely watch and you regulate. But it's not from these sources that this quiet whisper of negativity comes. There is a dark voice, which, I mean, for me, disturbs my slumber, launches me out of this quiet and comfortable acquiescence that I sit in and fills me to the brim with fear and doubt and regret and dread. And it's sin. It's the reality that I am not perfect and I have not kept God's law. And because of it, I face eternal death and condemnation. And in the face of these consequences of eternal death and condemnation, I am not enough. In fact, I am woefully insufficient. I am dreadfully undermatched. And I am horrendously unprepared, outwitted, and naturally predisposed for failure. I will never be enough. However, I am no longer required to be enough. The standard is gone. The curse is broken, and my spirit is released from the bonds of sin, but only if I believe. There is only one way to be released from the crushing reality that I am expected to be perfect. Only in the message of the gospel will I find forgiveness of sin. Only in God's word will I find a source of grace and redemption. Because when I look into scripture and I see God's son hanging on a Roman cross, I see a substitute. He's carrying my burden. He's taking my place and suffering my consequence for me. And it's in this sacrifice that I hear the words that I so long have been longing for. They come from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. The people involved in the I Am Enough movement are making a valiant effort to bring joy and happiness and contentment and inner peace into a world that is utterly devoid of any of those things. But they cannot and they will not succeed with the message that they currently share. The reality is that I am not enough. I will never be enough. And whether it's a good day or a bad day or even an in-between day, I won't have what it takes to do anything good. It's Jesus who gives me peace. It's Jesus who gives me satisfaction and joy and contentment. And because when Jesus died, he broke the power of sin. He put me on the other side of the law. I'm not under the law anymore. It's with this knowledge that I wake up every morning through the good and the bad. I crawl out of bed and I live life with a purpose. It's not because I'm worthy or because I deserve it or because I'm inherently good or because I'm enough. 
It's because strictly and solely and foundationally and eternally, Jesus is enough. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. You can find more episodes just like this one on iTunes or SoundCloud under the name The Gird Up Podcast. You can follow me, Charles Jungemach, at on Instagram at Coach Ungemach, on Facebook as Charlie Ungemach, or you can email me on the good old email at coachungemach at gmail.com. Please make sure you leave a review for this podcast. Make sure we get good ratings. And it's time now to go be the man that God has created you to be. God bless.